2: That's solid.
3: That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
1: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
2: Welcome, everyone, to episode 214 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Teporek, and today we're going to continue on with the Bye Felicia series. We're going to say goodbye to the New Orleans Pelicans, the Los Angeles Lakers, thankfully, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Sacramento Kings. We'll also have some brief thoughts on Kenny Atkinson and Ernie Grunfeld. Before we get to all of that though, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker. So check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? After watching
3: that Joker trailer, it's, yeah. I'm doing very, very well, Brian.
2: That, very that did well. look good. That did look good. Maybe yep. DC will make a good movie. Who knows? Well,
3: they've made two good movies in a row, at least. <laughs> Aquaman and Shazam, so come on uh, now. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: I haven't seen Shazam. I don't know. Huh? Well, you, you, you should look forward to it.
2: Yeah. It, it looks <laughs> good. I, I'm excited for it. But I'm also saving up for Endgame, I think.
3: Oh, for sure. I I mean, look, Endgame is is the big one, especially this month. My God, I'm looking so much forward to that.
2: It's going to be good. And I'm hyped because the Sixers just got a mole in Greg Monroe. Yep. Very, very exciting stuff. Lord knows they didn't have enough centers. Five wasn't enough. They needed a sixth. (laughs) Great roster composition, Sixers.
3: Well, he can tell you all about the Bucs and... You know, the Celtics, like yeah. you alluded to. Yeah. And the Raptors, too. He, he's got dirt on all of them. Right. Oh, I totally forgot about that. That's
1: right. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah buddy. I'm excited. Uh, all right. Before we get to the Bye Felicias, let's hit two quick news nuggets. First, uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported the other day that the Brooklyn Nets are finalizing extensions with head coach Kenny Atkinson and his staff. Thoughts?
3: That is the correct play. Because <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets have been done have been doing very, very well lately. Mm-hmm. They've established a culture. People seem to be thriving. Players are developing. You know, Jan Russell is an all-star. Obviously Karis Levert was an MIP favorite until he went down. Like, yeah, you have to reward positive results, and Kenny Atkinson's staff has absolutely lived up to, to all those things. So yeah, yeah. Makes sense. All the yeah. way through.
2: Yeah, I feel like I've never seen NBA Twitter completely agree on anything before. Like, you just, (laughs) you know, like, no matter what you say, there's always some jerk who's like, oh, well, actually. But when the Atkinson news came out, I didn't see a single person saying anything other than like, oh, great job. Nets are like, well-deserved. He totally, you know, they're just doing a great job there, especially considering what they inherited a couple years ago. For them to be at this position right now, like they've rebuilt more quickly than teams that have been rebuilding for a decade. It's incredible. Right. It's I, very well deserved for Atkinson. I'm happy, happy to see he. I think Sean Marks is hopefully going to be next if he hasn't gotten an extension already. Like th- those yep. guys, just they're crushing it, and I'm excited to see what they continue to build this summer. Now that they have, you know, an enticing uh, package to sell to free agents.
3: I'm, j- I'm actually when you were talking about like. the Twitter reactions and whatnot. So so you're actually telling me that there's not a single person out there who made the, well, he was hasn't won anything yet. (laughs) Argument.
2: there. I'm sure there was, but thankfully I'm not following them. And yeah. Okay. By design. (laughs) But yeah, if you guys haven't checked it out, uh, Howard Beck actually published a piece on bleacher report today about like this upcoming free agent search and like uh, how all the New York and LA markets have never had this much cap space at the same in the same summer, and like you know, the Lakers and the Knicks have been the preeminent. Oh, we're the best franchises. We'll get all the free agents. Exceptionalism, blah blah blah. But he talked to a bunch of different executives and scouts around the league, and a lot of them were like, uh, actually, the Clippers and the Nets are much better positioned to get these star free agents than the Lakers and the Knicks. So it's. I'm really excited to see what happens next with the Nets, but give give Beck's piece a read today if you haven't. Some
3: Is that two pieces for Beck within, like, a week and a half? It is. I know. What well, it's on fire.
2: The The Dirk and D-Wade one was in the works for months oh, yeah, and months, months now. Yeah. yeah, and this one was, too. It just, I think, now that he's got another one coming out Friday, I believe. So, Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. There you go, Beck. I know. He's got to keep him busy ahead of the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> the other big piece of news that came out this week was yesterday, the Washington Wizards parted ways with longtime team president, Ernie Grunfeld. We talked a lot about the Wizards the other day more, so we don't need to go too far in depth here, but what were your thoughts on the Grunfeld, uh, firing?
3: You know, it's, look, it's never awesome to, to, you know, uh, to, to, to rejoice at someone getting fired. That's that's not cool. Yeah. Uh, but it was time. It was absolutely time. And I think it's also fair at the same time to congratulate Wizards fans. At the same <laughs> right. time because, no, I, 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 I know that sounds really harsh, but it, right. it's true because Wizards fans felt like they were, you know, in a hostage situation because things were just not moving forward. They were doing the same thing over and over again. And I think complacency was a real thing in that organization. Yeah. Um so so to that extent now they're they're finally going to do something new. They have a blank canvas. I actually just wrote about this on my dating's patron today. That it's going to be so exciting to follow them for the next couple of years because whoever they hire, and I think was it Tim Connolly? that's the favorite. Yeah. yeah,
2: well, they want him. I can't. Yeah, they want it. <laughs> I don't know why in God's great earth he would leave the Nuggets to join the Wizards, but
3: right, I, I don't think that happens either. But it's interesting that they're you know they're looking at the proper names. Let me just put yeah, it that way. That's true. And 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 I think it's just going to be so exciting because when when a team fires a GM, especially a long tenure GM it's because they need a change in culture. And I think that is what that that's the area that I'm personally most into when it comes to rebuilding teams. Like, you know, you you can sometimes have the same regimes rebuilding like currently the Chicago Bulls for example, mm-hmm. where you just kind of know, well, there's it's not a culture change. It's still the same people at the top, so you you have to assume that it's still the same caliber players they're looking for with the same strengths and weaknesses and whatnot so it's basically just a continuation of a failed product whereas <laughs> right. when you bring in a brand new gm he has to establish a culture he has to establish like the day to day he has to hire new people i think i hope that they clear out everyone like the entire coaching staff just change it up the entire uh you know front office just change it up unless you have someone there who's like really proving their salt and then fine. Mm -hmm. Just make sure that you add to that whole team, like get more scouts, get more analytic people, like just fill it up with basketball knowledge and see how you go.
2: Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Ted Leonsis, the owner of the wizards came out afterward and said something along the lines of, he wants to scout best practices from other organizations. And he even conceded that like, maybe we weren't spending money in the right places which is, I, yeah. I feel like that's a pretty uh, humbling admission to make, especially for a team owner. But, you know, it's it's interesting because, yeah, the Wizards for a long time have been chasing mediocrity. Like they keep yep. giving up first round picks for rentals that are going to leave or trying to duck the luxury tax for, you know, for like this season in particular, they, the moves at the deadline, trading out port Porter the Bulls was just to get out of the luxury tax. And I think... Really, I mean we said this last episode you can hear more thoughts about the Wizards. Go back and listen to the last episode, but the John Wall injury changes everything for them. Like they right. could they could have talked themselves into just being undone by bad injury luck this year cuz Wall had the heel issue, Porter missed 10 games, Dwight's been out for all but 9 games, you know, they they could have like talked themselves into running it back next year and thinking things are going to change even though they weren't. But the Achilles injury Wall's now out for most, if not all, of next season. Beal has two years left on his deal. Like You have to confront reality and know this isn't going to get better. It's only going to get worse. What's our plan moving forward? And and it makes sense because you're going to have to turn the page on the era of we're building around John Wall and Bradley Beal, two all-star guards in our backcourt, you you know, whatever happens with Beal, Wall is most likely done with his all-star days. So you, you're you really tra- turning the page on a new era of Wizards basketball, and it makes sense to bring in new le- leadership to start that process. You know, I, I know I've repeatedly said I do not want Sam Hinkie to take a job where he, he would just have to tear down and completely rebuild. But, like, <laughs> that is the first name that comes to mind for the Wizards because that's exactly what they have to do.
3: Yep. Yeah, I mean, look, look, here's the thing. When they when they have to come to the realization that John Wall isn't going anywhere because of the injuries and the, the mega contract and all that, that mm-hmm. also opens up for taking on even more bad deals yep. in compensation for draft picks. Yep. So, for example, Jan Mahimi, who's going to be an expiring contract uh, after July 1st because he'll mm-hmm. be entering the final year of his contract. Like, see if you can shop him for... Someone who's on a bad deal with at least two years, three years left and see yep. if you can acquire some draft picks, like instead of being the team that consistently gives up draft picks, like be the one who takes them on and totally. and just do not care if you take on crap in the meantime. Like it's four years that it's honestly it's a blessing in disguise when you look at it from the new guy coming in, whoever it's gonna be. Yeah. like he will have at the very least a four year window, where everyone will know, well, we can't do Jack because that John Wall contract is clogging things up. So you can get you you can get us bad contracts on the on the books for that same that same amount of time,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and then there's an end date to it. And then after John Wall and all the other contracts, presumably that are going to be acquired, you know, uh, end. That's when they, you know, flip the table and go free agency hunting or whatever. Like you just yeah. have four years now to gather assets in whatever capacity you may need it to. Yep.
2: Yeah. That would be my, if I'm the wizards, that's my first thing I'm asking candidates for the, to replace Grunfeld is what is your plan? Like we, we, do you think we could be a playoff team still, or are you willing to embrace a fallout rebuild? What's your plan for Bradley Beal moving forward? I have a piece going up either today or tomorrow at the basketball writers about this. It, as a continuation of the conversation we had last episode, but, like, mm. now I'm even more resolute in saying the Wizards need to trade Bradley Beal this summer. It's yeah. only going to get worse. You know, I go into, like, the whole Supermax, how that will even complicate things more for them. Like, it's got to right. happen. It's got to happen
3: now. So, Godspeed, whoever way, takes that job. Well, uh, let me just say that I am available.
1: <laughs> there we go. There we go.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right,
2: since we're talking about teams that need to trade their superstar, it's only fair that we transition now into the New Orleans Pelicans. And before we get to the Anthony Davis stuff, since then... I didn't know Christian
3: Wood was on the trading block.
2: (laughs) He he might be. But before we get to Davis, let's talk about some positives. I was... I'm not going to start with Christian Wood. Let's start with Drew Holiday. Yeah, baby. He... I know there was a lot of skepticism when they signed him to that big deal, even though they didn't really have a choice. It was like your your alternative is you lose Drew Holiday and you don't have the ability to <laughs> right. replace him because you don't have cap space. But man, he's crushing it. He, I mean, mm-hmm. is he a top five point guard in the NBA right now?
3: Oh wow, uh, there's a curveball. I, I I hadn't really thought about that. Now I have to go through it like Dame, I like
2: Steph Dame. I know you won't put Kyrie, Russ
3: in there. No, but Kyrie. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, look, by the way, you know, the 2020, uh-huh. hats off, man. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, hats off. That's yeah. just, that's ridiculous. I mean, good on Russ. And especially like, yeah. I look, I, I don't know anything about uh, Nipsey hustle. I don't, uh, but, but as I, I, I read more into it and kind of understand the reference now. Like, yeah. that's just awesome. What a, yeah. what a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, I think you can make the argument at least. I mean, if anything, he he's definitely a top seven, right?
2: Right, like he's in that tier with. I mean, Chris Paul's up there still. Kyle Lowry. I would put Drew Holiday above Kyle Lowry at this point.
3: Yeah, wouldn't you? Would you put him over Chris Paul? Also, when you really think about it,
2: I mean, if you're looking at the long-term trajectory, absolutely.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. But I'm thinking, but yeah, even, now. even I mean, right now, it's close. Like he's yeah. I mean. Chris has kind of lost a step. Like, I'm not trashing on him at all. Right. He's still highly effective and a great, great point guard. But you can kind of sense his age now, and it seems like Drew is... I don't even think we've seen, you know, the the unleashed version of Drew. Yeah. Because I get that he's taking 17 shots, and that's quite a big number. But he's still playing alongside Anthony Davis over the course of 56 games. He's averaged 18 shots and like gets to the line a ton. So that's even more possessions that's just being used up. Like when Davis leaves or is traded, and, and if you don't get a high volume guy in, I wouldn't even be surprised one bit if Holiday starts averaging like 25, 26 points, like Bradley Beal oh, yeah. numbers. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised yeah.
2: whatsoever. He, he very well could be an All Star next year.
3: Oh, for sure. So, yeah, he's definitely up there. I mean, look at this number. It's like 21, five rebounds, 7.7 assists, a steal and a half, almost a block a game as well. I didn't even realize that before.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's crazy. I mean, I have caped for him forever, and I I continue to cape for him, but I'm happy. I'm just happy he's getting the recognition that he's been due for a while now because he's he's really effing good. And it's funny that I, I don't begrudge Anthony Davis for wanting to leave. I understand it completely. But it's funny that he does have a star sidekick in New Orleans right now. You know, like, right. people are acting like they don't have any talent there. And it's like, the, well, actually, Drew Holiday is a top yeah. 20, 25 player in the NBA right now.
3: Yeah, and, and you have Julius Randle there. So, like, I've been right. I've been saying this for, like, yeah. months that they yeah. had a lot of talent. there was just misplaced in terms yep. of positions and, like, what you need. And, yeah. Right. The, the
2: complete lack of wings... Killed them and and that doesn't help no. I'm I I mean the Pelicans did fail Davis in terms of them their team building they are not you know they're not flawless by any means here or not right. blameless but like yeah between Holiday and Randall I mean Randall's had an incredible season I really do hope they can retain him this summer I know it's going to be tricky in terms of the cap space considerations but he's been great he I mean yep. he's earned himself. You know, like kudos to him. He took the I think it was like a two year, eighteen million dollar deal, second year player option, bet on himself basically by only taking nine million. Mm-hmm. Like he is going to make
3: bank this summer. Four years, one hundred mil for sure. Oof. I, I would not be the
2: I would not want to be the team that gives out that deal,
3: but why not? Given his age, that's just yeah. that's going to be in the middle of his prime years.
2: I still have concerns about building an elite defense around him.
3: Yeah, but you're not building a, a a defense around him necessarily. I mean, you're right. building around whoever is the superstar and you add in pieces. And honestly, I know that he's not like an elite defender by any stretch. Mm. But since shedding all that weight, I yeah. think I think he's improved and I think we've kind of been stuck as, you know, we usually are with these things. You know, been re- really slow at adapting to how he plays now. Like at least now his foot speed has improved he is seems to be learning you know the the whole let me bump you off your rhythm without getting called for a foul bit <laughs> right <laughs> which right, he's right. really good at and i think his intelligence level is really high i think just he needs the right system that can kind of support it because let's be honest the lakers and pelicans not exactly the two smartest NBA organizations <laughs> from like an snow perspective. Right. So if he goes to a team with a really, really smart head coach, like for example, Dallas with Rick Carlisle, which yeah. is a destination I'm personally looking at a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he could just unlock so many things.
2: Yeah. I mean, I like it. it I guess my question is still like, what is his optimal position defensively? Because it feels like he might be best as a small ball center, but he doesn't give you the rim protection you want. But I also right. don't want him guarding stretch fours, so it's like I, I I still don't know. Yeah, you're not you're right. You're not building a defense around him. He's not Rudy Gobert or Dwell and right. or anything like that. But I don't know that he can be a thirty-five minute a game starter on a top five defense.
3: No, I but here's the thing though. Do you really need a top five defense to win in today's league? When you look at offense and the way that offense has improved over the past couple years, like, yes, you will need a defense that is above league average, preferably Mm -hmm. in the top 10, Mm -hmm. but I would wager that having a great offense at any point will beat out, you know, a great defense.
2: That's, uh, I mean, that's a fair question. Like, look at the Rockets last year in particular. They, I mean, they had a good defense, but like that was right. their strategy was like we're not going to stop golden state we just need to outgun them
3: right and and julius Randle can certainly do that like the, the 21 points he's averaging is coming in 30.4 minutes a game yeah so yeah. and and he's shooting what let me let me just look the like fifty fifty two 52% from the field he's also getting to the line a ton like 6.6 free throw attempts again in 30.4 minutes yeah like he, he you can put him in a gunning offense and he'll produce
2: yeah, and he's shooting a career high thirty-four from three, taking two point six attempts per game. He had never taken more right. than one before. I mean,
3: and it, that could improve.
2: Yeah, like I, I again, I wouldn't be want to. I don't want to be the team that gives him twenty-five million a year on a four-year deal. But I understand he is going to get something along those lines, and I can understand why. And I, I do hope whether it's in New Orleans or elsewhere, he finds the system that will optimize him because mm. there's a really good player in there. I I still oh, find it sure. hilarious that the Lakers might have given away their two best lottery picks, just like oh, Walker. There's,
3: or... there's no might there. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's absolutely for sure.
2: There, there's a chance. I mean, Ball and Ingram could also still develop into something. Like it took Randall and D'Angelo a couple of years before they really found their footing. So I'm not giving up on the the current guys there. But they let well, you found good their ones footing go. because
3: they ended different places, though. Yeah. I don't think this would have come necessarily, right? I agree. Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah, especially now, not not next to LeBron. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and I didn't even take LeBron into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it's it's weird, man. So what are you looking at from you know New Orleans moving forward? Obviously, we have to go into the AD stuff. Yeah. Like, let's assume that they resolve that situation and they get back what most think is like logical, like young guys and draft picks, right? Hmm. Like, what do they do? Like, let's talk about drew holiday he's still on a big contract then we're talking about Julius Randle. hopefully they can attain it or you know retain him yeah but like if you keep those two guys and you have a bunch of youngsters and like, incoming draft picks like where do you go from there because drew is what 20 28 20 yeah 28 29 something like that
2: this is his age 28 season I can't remember if he's turned 29 already yet uh, all right no he turns 29 in June
3: okay so he will be 29 by next season.
2: Yeah. Mhm.
3: I mean the the age doesn't really, you know, match up well if you right. if you go that route. So it's like what do you do?
2: Yeah, I mean the the tricky thing is after 2019-2020, their books are actually pretty clean. Like they only have Drews under contract, Davis will be mm-hmm. gone. They have no one else under a guaranteed contract at that point. So like Solomon Hill and Eastwan Moore are will be entering the final years of their deals their respective deals next year. Again, hopefully right. you retain Julius Randle. Who knows what happens. You got Jaleel Okafor on a cheap 1.7 million dollar option next year, which is great for them. Like he I mean yeah. he's not a stellar player, but like he's performed relatively well in Davis's absence in particular and getting him for that cheap is whatever that's fine that's totally great so yeah if you get i think the tricky thing will be if you get guys who are one year away so let's say you trade him to the lakers and you get a brandon ingerman return he's going to be eligible for an extension right when your books clear up like i i think ideally you get guys who are entering their third season in the nba so you get a Tatum rather than a Jalen Brown. So that way you can have him under his cheap rookie contract for two more years and you have 2020, you'll have a lot of cap space in theory, uh, in which you can round out the core, you know, like let's say it's a Tatum Randall drew core. You'll have cap space to get a nice complimentary cast in there, assign those guys to multi-year deals before Tatum comes up for an extension. And then, uh, Then your cap space goes away again. So, yeah, it's going to be a tricky balance for them because you're right. It's you know even if they if they do keep Randall, he's 24. Drew will be he'll be in like the Mike Conley role in a couple of years. Yeah, that's
3: that's what bothers me, man.
2: Yeah, but I mean at this point, his deal isn't so big or bloated that he's untradeable, especially if he continues to play at this level. So maybe I don't think you necessarily trade him right now. Cause I think he is a good culture setter for that team. And mm. especially after you trade Davis, you're going to need that kind of veteran leadership and like just the, you know, the cachet of like, I've been with this organization. This is how things go. You need, you need him right. to show guys the ropes, but then 2020 he's owed about 26 million. Uh, the year after that, he has a $26.9 million player option. By the time we reach that, the salary cap's going to be close to $120 million. That's a completely reasonable price. I think, you know, maybe at that point you look to trade him before he potentially leaves for nothing as a free agent. So, yeah, I mean, it, it all comes down to what they trade Davis for. But where do you think he ends up this summer? If you had, gun to your head, you had to make a prediction right now.
3: Oh, uh, then I unfortunately have to go with Lakers. Ugh. I'm going yeah. Celtics. No, uh, I, I mean if we, here's the thing. The only reason I'm not going with the Celtics is because I think Kyrie's leaving them.
2: Yeah, I, so that's I want to get into that quickly because that's one of the most interesting subplots. Is you know they they waited out the Lakers at the trade deadline because they said okay, the Celtics can't get involved till July first. We want we want them to give a bid at least. Like we got to know what mm-hmm. we're. You know, they will they could drive up the price. They have the best asset pool of any team in the NBA. We wanna know what they're willing to offer. They're allegedly willing to offer anything, but you know Danny Ainge leaks and leaks and leaks and so we'll we'll see what actually materializes. But the Kyrie stuff complicates things because they can't complete a trade for Davis until Kyrie either re-signs or leaves, which is July first. They could agree right. agree to a deal in principle, and they have to, frankly, before the draft, because they'll have at least three, if not four, first round picks this year. That's a huge part of the appeal to any package they can offer the Pelicans. It's, yeah, we have Tatum and Brown, and, you know, if you want Gordon Hayward, if, like, if you want, in theory, a second superstar, we have Gordon Hayward that you can have. We will happily hand him yep. off to you. Uh, or otherwise, you could take, like, Marcus Smart. I think they would need to do it for salary matching, especially. Um, so that it's just like, do they do the Celtics pull the trigger on a Davis deal knowing that Kyrie can leave? Or you know, Kyrie and Davis are apparently friends and have talked about playing together. Davis also has said, you know, that the Celtics aren't on his long term list, so it's like a Mexican standoff basically between Davis and the Celtics right now, and Celtics and the Pelicans. It's like it's it's game theory. Like, do you yeah. do you trade for Davis, thinking that that will get Kyrie to stay, and do you give up? You know, you're gonna have to give up a lot to get him, knowing that Kyrie could leave and then Davis could leave in a year, and you could be left empty-handed.
3: Yeah, I mean that's the situation, right?
2: Yeah, it's really. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. Like, it's it, it's it just is such but, a tough but, situation for Danny age to deal with, which makes me so happy.
3: And while I absolutely love the very wonderful breakdown you had there, you're just forgetting one major thing. LeBron James usually gets what he wants.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true, especially with when he shares an agent with the guy who's going to get traded.
3: Exactly, and the guy is actually actively willing to go there, unlike a lot of other stars. Yeah. So, so uh. that's why. I, 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 I'm still high on the idea of moving him to the Denver Nuggets. I'm still there. Or I still let's think just, that makes sense. I like
2: the idea you came up with last episode. Put him on the Atlanta Hawks. Let's have some fun.
3: Wait, that that was that was Beal though.
2: Oh, okay. Well then, screw. It. Let's let's put Davis in the mix. They've got two, potentially two top six picks. They have some salary ballast you could throw in there. You you could offer. I
3: I don't know. You could figure out some. I mean, Beal and A D are draft buddies. Yeah. from the same class. There we go. Let's huh. let's
2: do it. Make it happen.
3: Huh. I'll I'll offer John Collins in that one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Progressive Casualty
1: Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, since we're on AD and the Lakers,
2: it's only natural we talk about the Lakers next. And here's my thing with the Lakers is the offer, you know, maybe, maybe New Orleans was interested in the offer that the Lakers made at the deadline, but they just wanted to see what Boston could offer before they take the Lakers one. The yep. Lakers also will now have a lottery pick that they weren't 100% sure they could offer at the time. So it's probably going to be a late lottery pick, but it's still whatever. Maybe some New Orleans is in love with like two guys in the late lottery and maybe that's appealing to them. The problem is the Brandon Ingram situation, which we talked about when he you know, he he the blood clot news came out. Um it really does complicate his trade value significantly because there's hmm. now this medical uncertainty hovering over him. If you trade for him, he's eligible for an extension right away. Yep. And if if you're the Pelicans, you can't give him that extension this summer. I mean he he could be a restricted free agent next next summer. You can just match what other offer sheet he signs. So you're not totally screwed. But that it I mean, only
3: it, takes one team.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it, I mean it, it's just it's still like, do you really want? When you're trading Anthony Davis in particular, do you really want that type of uncertainty to be the headliner in the package you receive? No. Of course not. So, like, like the Lakers offer is worse. I would say the Lakers offer is worse right now. Even factoring in the lottery pick, it's worse right now than the, what they offered at the trade deadline. Also because they gave away Zubach for nothing.
3: hmm. Unless, of course, they win Scion, in which case... Right. Yeah, maybe that should be my response to the Davis question. Whoever lands Zion, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, at least I, I, think that I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, have no sources on this, obviously, but I wouldn't be surprised one bit if New Orleans will be tracking that specifically. Like if they don't end up on oh, Zion sure. themselves, like if they win the lottery, then I might even then I think if they win the lottery, they they would actually go to Davis and say, well, who do you want? like yeah. we have a trade chip in Zion. If you want to let's let's talk about you sticking around here. We have Zion right now. Mm. Do you want to play with Zion or we can we can move him for a start. Like hey, Bradley Beal is available. Yeah. Like something like that. I don't know. Yeah.
2: That's true. Yeah, I mean that that definitely looms large over all of these teams. Not just mm-hmm. the one we're talking about today, but yeah, say the Knicks get Zion, then all of a sudden that, you know, the whole, like, KD, Kyrie, sign as free agents, Anthony Davis trade proposal becomes a lot more realistic. Or, like, God forbid if the Boston Celtics, they can't get Zion because they can't get number one, but, you know, if that Sacramento pick jumps up to two or three, now you suddenly have, all right, we can offer you Tatum, Brown, Smart, Hayward, whoever, plus a couple later first-round picks, plus the rights to John Morant, R.J. Barrett, Jarrett Culver, whoever you want.
3: Right, that would be attractive. Like that yeah. would be very, very attractive. And and I think maybe that's that's what we should really be looking at the draft lottery and how it shakes out because that could just change the directions of it so much. And and that's also why he's not going to get moved, you know, before.
2: You're right. That's
3: right. at least yeah, because technically, unless I misunderstand the rules here, the Pelicans because they're not in the playoffs, as soon as their season ends and the Lakers mm-hmm. as well. Theoretically, while the playoffs are going on, they could actually make a deal between themselves. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. That's not going to happen because no. you just don't know how the lottery shakes out. <laughs> right. And, but as soon as when – it, when it's the lottery, it's in May, but like, yeah. what, 18th or something? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, I don't. mid-May May at some yeah. point. Yeah, right. So the day after, that's oh, yeah. when the front office of you know so many teams are just going to sit down and go, so – Let's talk A.D. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, so we we can't speculate too much on the Lakers A.D. stuff until we see how the lottery shakes out. The other big question for the Lakers. Well, two other big questions. One, Luke Walton seems like a dead man walking.
3: Ugh, that's so dumb.
2: Who do you think they should go after, assuming they do fire him at the end of the season? Who do you think oh, I think should they should
3: after? rehire him immediately. Does that <laughs> counts. You're not sold on Jason Kidd. I am not sold on Jason Kidd, and I'm also not sold on Mark Jackson, who so obviously is going to be their new head coach, right? Oh man, I, yeah. I mean,
2: <laughs> it's well. I saw Ty Lue has been thrown around there as well. Oh no! Uh, and this, then this doesn't make it better, Brian <laughs> And then Juan Howard. I saw. There, there were like oh okay new, new odds came out yesterday that had Juwan howard as the favorite
3: all right so now that I'd be down for juwan is yeah. a good guy and he yeah. more than that he's he was on the bench in Miami for right. not, even even during his playing days at the end of like at the end of it he yep. was more like an assistant coach yeah. and he's such a smart basketball you know basketball player and basketball mind. I would be really intrigued to see what Juwan Howard could do as a head coach in the NBA. Absolutely. That that one I would be down for. But going through the recycling bin, mm-hmm. I just I don't see the point. And I hope that there would be like at least 15 clubs that would just jump at Luke Walton immediately if he's fired. Oh, I would think so. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, what he did with the Warriors hopefully has not
3: been forgotten in this mess of a Lakers season. Like... In today's world, you can absolutely be sure that it has. It's a what yeah. have you done for me lately, <laughs> league. You know that.
2: Yeah, it's probably true. But, I mean, I think enough people ha- have pointed out that this is not all Luke's fault. One, when he came to the job, he didn't know he was getting LeBron in a couple of years, and as we saw with David Blatt in Cleveland as well, and even Spo in Miami. Like, LeBron, every time he comes somewhere, he wants to handpick his coach. If your front office and your ownership lacks the backbone to stand up to him, then you cave and you give him his hand-picked coach. Miami had Pat Riley, and he was like, no, LeBron, shut up. We're doing it my way. And then they yeah. won two titles, which worked out well in retrospect. But, you know, Cleveland with Blatt and Ty Lue did not. And the Lakers, by all accounts, it seems like Magic and Palenka did not hire Luke Walton. It seems like they want their own guy. And then LeBron also, I mean, he hasn't publicly thrown Luke under the bus, but there have been enough rumblings that he's unhappy and wants his own guy that you can only assume it's going to happen. So I, am with you in that Mark Jackson and Jason Kidd would be the two worst options by far, which would be so hilarious if they happen. Like I'm rooting for that with every bone in my body, just because (laughs) the, the comedy on Lakers, Twitter alone would be worth it. Um, Juan Howard, I didn't realize this, but not only did he play with LeBron in Miami, he was assistant coach the last year in Miami, he also played with Polinka in college. Polinka was on those Michigan teams with the Fab Five. <laughs> so there there are some like strong Lakers connections there. And then oh, Ty Lue obviously like was a Laker. You know, he's got
3: connections as well. Yeah. Um I did see. Yeah, a fa- he saw a lot of the, the the Lakers floor when Allen Iverson was very <laughs> handy. Yeah. Sure did.
2: Yeah, I mean, I did find a tweet last night from Magic from like 2014 when the Warriors fired Mark Jackson. That was like, if any oh, team yeah. needs a good coach, <laughs> Mark God. Jackson is now available. So I'm I'm very <laughs> excited to see how this disaster goes down. It's going to be a slow moving disaster, and it should be hilarious. Um, but the other question is for the Lakers, let's say they don't get Anthony Davis. They are very publicly fiending for a sidekick, a superstar sidekick for LeBron James. Right. Do you think they actually get one this summer if they don't get Davis?
3: Just for the sheer lunacy of the situation, I kind of hope not because (laughs) I I want this. Yeah. I I just want this to be weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but no, they're going to get someone. That could be Jimmy Butler or, like, I don't know, maybe they overpay for Tobias Harris or something. I I don't know. Like This was just, like, two Sixers just off the top of my head, right? Thanks for that. Yeah, sorry. But, (laughs) like, a Dark Horse candidate could probably be Kyrie, I'm guessing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, like, there's definitely some some names out there that could be of interest. But it's really it comes down to who wants to play with the rod, right? And right. You kind of know the KD is on the no wagon. Like he wants oh, yeah. to go somewhere else or, or maybe uh, let's see if he sticks around with the warriors. I'm just, I'm not closing that door yet. I'm not ready to. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he's a Laker. I don't think Clay Thompson will be a Laker. I, I yep. get it. I know all the, uh, the, you know, the rumors and whatnot, but like, sure. no. Yeah. Um, and if it's Jimmy Butler, <laughs> like uh, and, like, could you imagine if their big summer is, like, getting Jimmy <laughs> Butler and signing
1: Mark Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> and then Lakers fans try to sell everyone on
2: that. Just, like, they tried to sell everyone on Jordan and not being terrible.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. I can't stop laughing. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jimmy would Jimmy would in, immediately not respect Mark. Oh, my God. And it would just, it would go, it would go bad, like, in the middle of preseason, it yeah. would go bad. It would go sour, and LeBron and Jimmy would not be able to go. Ex- oh my God, that that could happen. Lakers fans, we're I swear we're not trying to crab <laughs> on you. Like we're right. just we're looking at this organization, and we could just see like the level of incompetence that runs deep through it. And you know, it's all about names for this franchise, right? right. It's always yeah. been about the names, like. Ah, uh, you you see how mad Lakers fans are for even when they signed LeBron, it was like no, let's let's stick with the young core, like let's do what NBA teams are doing, like let's right. rebuild. Yeah. And then nope, name name name, and everyone went like pissed. And I get it, and I think it's only gonna get worse because now you have LeBron. I mean, if they win the lottery with Zion, there's no chance in hell they're keeping him, right?
2: Oh no, I like, I would assume not I mean yeah I mean I think you're right like there is enormous disaster potential for this team like there's high upside because they have enough salary cap space to sign someone but as you alluded to if I'm a wing especially I don't want to go to the Lakers right and you know it does take a certain type of person because you you've seen it with Kevin Love and Chris Bosch in particular if you're the number three guy you're gonna get none of the credit and take all of the blame. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so, you know it sucks. It's like not y- yeah. You might win a championship, and that might be fulfilling, but it's going to be like a very frustrating time in your life. Otherwise, like in the build up to that moment, and you can't be sure that you're going to win a championship. So like, if I'm, I, I, Tobias, I think is staying with the Sixers. I think they're going to give him, if not a max close to it, I, I think that's pretty much a done deal. Jimmy, I think, is much more available, but I would guess he <laughs> yeah. prefers a team like Brooklyn, hopefully, than.
3: The Lakers. Yeah. Right. Um, Jimmy's mindset can change literally on a permanent basis.
2: Right. So if I'm the Lakers, I I think, like, the, the problem is I think a big would be the most logical route to go. But there aren't guys on the market who I'd feel great about giving a max deal to. Like, I think their best bet may be getting DeMarcus Cousins in there, but coming nowhere close to a max. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think you could sell that pretty well to the, the franchise or, like, the fan base. Cause, you know, he's DeMarcus Cousins. He was a 25, 10, and 5 guy a year ago. He's probably going to win a ring with the Warriors this year. He brings championship pedigree. LeBron loves him. He's going to bring some, like, toughness and physicality, whatever. But I don't know that they, you know, they've been building up this, like, we're going to have two top five players. We're going to have LeBron and someone else. We're going to get LeBron and Kevin Durant. I don't think Durant goes there. I don't think Kawhi goes there. Kyrie's a wild card, I agree, but it it just, reading the tea leaves, it seems like it's either Boston or New York for him. Right, uh, agree. Kemba maybe, but, like, I don't know, it sounds like Kemba just really might want to stay in Purgatory in Charlotte, which, good for him, man. <laughs> you, you do yeah. you, Kemba. I don't care. So, like, I, I think it's a, a big, or they trade for Br- Bradley Beal
3: would be my guess. Yeah, and, and let's just agree that whatever they do, it's not gonna be enough. Yeah, that's that's really just the sad part about all this. It's not gonna be enough. Now you had those two questions. I have one mm-hmm. that I want you to answer me. Okay. Is Lonzo Ball good? <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, look. Let, let me just let me. I have seen a lot of love for Lonzo, especially on Twitter and like, uh, even like Chicago Bulls fans. All of them are like, oh yeah, look, we need to get Lonzo. He's available. Rah, rah, rah. What am I missing here? Yeah, I know his defense is outstanding and right. he's got great length and all that, but like what else? Like yeah, he's a playmaker, but what is he offering you? Really? I uh, I would
2: say he is not currently a good player, but you right. can see the upside there. I think yeah. he will not be maximized next to LeBron James. I think Agreed. the best the best thing for him would be a trade away from the Lakers. So, Uh you know, hopefully, whether it's for Davis or Beal or whoever, hopefully he gets out of there this summer. But, no, I mean, right right now, you can't argue that he makes an enormously positive impact. I mean, he's had a below-average PER each of his first two years. He's a career 38% shooter from the field. He's he's shooting 43.7% from the free-throw line.
3: For his career. Yeah, this year it's 41 points
2: in. Yep. Like, it's not, I mean, that's like Shaq. That's putting Shaq to shame. It's worse than Shaq, right?
3: Yeah, and he's taken 48 free throws over 1,423 games. Minutes. Minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long day. Yeah, Yeah. minutes, obviously, yes. Right. Yeah. But I'm I'm just looking at that, and I'm going, I I, I look, I, I watch him play like everyone else. I obviously see the athleticism. I obviously see the playmaking and the defense. That's great. But I think the step towards becoming this supposed star is being able to have a two-way game, right? Mm -hmm. He is so far behind the curve offensively. I mean, dimensions behind just what's league average. Yeah. That where do you... like? Even the most optimistic Lonzo Ball fan is... I mean has to at least acknowledge deep within themselves that okay, he may not never get a handle on the offensive issue. Like yeah. this dude oh, is yeah. not gonna be like a twenty point scorer and a forty-five percent knockdown shooter. Yep. I don't think I don't ever think that's gonna happen. Like look at how he plays offensively. It's it's just so inconsistent. And I know the LA angle and, you know, playing with LeBron, all that. I get it. But the leap he would have to take offensively would have to be astronomical for him to be an a positive influence on both sides of the ball
2: i'll give him this
3: mm-hmm.
2: he, he's better than markel Fultz. yes <laughs> I, I will
3: i will give him that also yes
1: yeah. <laughs> CLEARANCE. Clearance.
2: I think since we're on disappointing prospects, we might as well just shift to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And let's start with the Andrew Wiggins our, our routine Andrew Wiggins concerns. Concern trolling? I don't even know if it's trolling. It's just like no, it's I, not, I think not I, I think even Minnesota fans at this point are just like out on Andrew Wiggins.
3: But Well, not if you catch my mentions once in a while. Really? How? Know. How are, they, how are there people still? So yeah, I I think they're just emotionally attached to the guy and also yeah. I will say this, Minnesota fans bring up one thing that we have not talked about and I think is is should be mentioned. Okay. He's a good guy. Like That's off right. the court, he's a very very good guy, uh, conscious about like social issues and like gives back to the community. Like he's mm. he's a legitimate a, legitimately a good human being. Okay. So I think we should take that and say Absolutely agree. Everything I've heard about him from a from a personal perspective, aces, aces, aces. So I'll give him that. Absolutely. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, being yeah, a good guy go do does it. not deserve $150 million.
3: That's very accurate.
2: Yes. And so I think, I mean, we'll, we'll hit on the positives in a second, but I think for Minnesota, this is the number one concern moving forward is mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins has now been on your team for five years he has gotten especially over the past 2 years you could you could excuse his downtick in efficiency last year because he got shifted into that number 3 role next to Jimmy Butler. He was not certain where his touches were coming from whatever. Jimmy Butler didn't play many games with the Timberwolves this year and Andrew right. Wiggins had his worst year by far. Yeah, Like there are no more excuses for Andrew Wiggins at this point. Right. And it, it, he just isn't getting better and now you do have to wonder like remember what before they gave him that extension the team owner like leaked, it spoke to an <laughs> ap reporter and was like i need to sit down and have a face-to-face with this kid and say like look i'm willing to commit to you but you need to commit to getting better and so far wiggins has not done that or at least right. i mean maybe he has and it's just not translating on the court but from what we're seeing he has not made substantial improvements. If anything, you could argue he regressed this year.
3: No, has he even gotten better? If he hasn't shown on the court, like th- this is the whole if you know if a tree falls in the forest, it's yeah, yeah. around thing. Yeah. Because it, you can, you might be better in practice, but you, but you, if you can't, you know, transfer that into game action, then what's the point?
2: Right, right. I mean, it's a fair question. So, like, what, what, if anything, can the Timberwolves do moving forward? to get this guy to be what even if he doesn't reach the heights I mean I think it's fair to say he's probably not going to reach the heights we thought he would coming into the league but what can they do to get this guy to be more than
3: Richmond's Harrison Barnes get him off the roster <laughs> <laughs> well I, I think I mean I was joking but there probably is some level of truth to that I think maybe he will fare better with his second team like maybe yeah. that's a wake up call. Yeah, I don't know. i, I I'm, that's just me spitballing. Honestly, I have no idea. From a from a from a on court perspective, he just needs to t- stop taking so many two pointers. Like his shot distribution is just so bad in terms mm-hmm. of where the shots are coming from. Mm-hmm. Like he's he, he. I think he has to look himself in the mirror and realize what he is. He's a six eight, superbly athletic wing. Like he is. Physically gifted beyond belief mm-hmm. just get to the damn basket like you know <laughs> right. God, I hate always using the bulls as a comparison, but they they it's just such a weird team that always has the perfect analogy for things yeah so back in the day, Luol Deng, you know a long athlete, not significantly you know athletic but you know kind of ad- athletic ish sure was taking a lot of threes and it didn't really work out so in his third season he only took seven threes. But he shot almost 52 percent from the field mm. and that was back in the day where we didn't really look at true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage as much we saw him like becoming more ineffic- and more efficient player uh-huh and that that helped him a lot like because he was kind of forced to play near the rim and and like attack the basket a lot more this was uh scott skiles who kind of instilled that in him then it opened up his game so when coach tips took over he was kind of like okay now you can go back to shooting a lot of threes but the in in those years prior like Luol had learned how to attack the basket and identify holes in defense and all that so i think maybe this is a situation where you actually have to scale back certain things from wiggins Mm -hmm. in order for for him to expand at a later point yeah
2: yeah i mean it's
3: worth a shot i'm not sure it works but (laughs) right
2: yeah, no, it, you basically say, like, get him confident in a certain role, like right. a limited role. Say you were doing, be a 3&D guy. Like, we're paying seconds. you $150 million to be a 3&D guy, but, like, just stay glued to Robert Covington. Soak up everything he has to know. Emulate him. And then once you're good in that, we can start expanding your palette. Because right now, right. I mean, yeah, like, what is Andrew Wiggins' identity right now? I couldn't define it.
3: No, that, I don't think. I, I don't think he can.
2: Yeah. But he,
3: when you watch him play, right? He's all over the court and not in a good way. Right. Like he, when you can, you can have a game from him where he takes like where he goes into the post five times and he takes two off the uh, the dribble of the trees and and has like you know seven attempts that are long twos, no yeah. three throws whatsoever, or you know, it's just w- where you just look at him after the game and go, what the hell were you doing all game? Like, yeah. what was the game plan? And and at some, obviously, like, coaching matters, but now he's gone through several coaches and it's mm-hmm. been an issue all the way through. So, like, it's it's just important, I think, to identify certain areas where he can be better. I mean, I, you know, the free throw percentage to me is also an indicator that his confidence is just shut. Like, I don't yeah. think he is close to being a, a a confident man right now and you need yeah. to get that back first and foremost
2: yeah totally agree yeah i mean and his free throw attempts are significantly down
3: mm, 4.1 a game
2: yeah he yeah. Went, i mean he had at least 5.5 in each of his first three seasons he's hovered yeah. around four for each of the last two and he's shooting as you said he's shooting you know he was shooting his 76 from the line his first three seasons he's below 70 these past two It just, I mean, the Butler thing seemed like it sapped a lot of his confidence already, and you would think that with Butler gone, he would assert himself more, but he just hasn't really done that. The flip side of that is Carl Anthony Towns, who, you know, had a very weird kind of lackadaisical start to the season. It just seemed like the chemistry with him and Butler was so off that they, they ultimately, it seemed like they had to trade, butler to avoid losing towns for good so right. they do and then towns really starts to assert himself like since the all-star break in particular you know he missed the first two games because he was in that car accident he comes yep. back over his last 17 games carl anthony towns is averaging 28 and points 13.9 rebounds 3.9 assists 2.4 threes 1.2 blocks 0.6 deals in only 32.8 minutes yeah like, you His perf- could argue
3: Hermione's are just insane.
2: Yeah, you could argue he's been like one of the best two or three players since the All Star break. So, I mean, like, I know, you know, there was some concern about him plateauing as well. Like, that's gone for me. It seems like whatever happened, maybe this car accident, you know, he said, like, I should have died. Like, maybe a near death experience suddenly made him wake up and be like, seize the day. But whatever happened, like, Carl Anthony Towns. Looks like a legit, straight-up superstar over the past month. And he still has these games. You know, they played Philly the other night, and B didn't play. And Jonah Bolden kind of ate his lunch, which is not a great sign. So maybe he's just kind of burnt out and like needs to take the rest of the season off and Mm. come back stronger next year. But, like, whereas I still have concerns about Wiggins moving forward, it does seem like Towns is really starting to piece it together and realize, like, this, this starts with me the culture of the team starts with me I'm the 150 you know, 58 million dollar man or it could be 190 million dollar man if he makes the third team NBA all NBA this year like he needs to set the tone every night and if he's not being aggressive, the rest of the team's going to follow.
3: I agree. the thing that concerns me about towns though is you need unsuccessful teams to have some level of, an, of a player who's an enforcer. Or yeah. someone who's at least tough-minded, and like, like you know the Draymond types in in Golden State, right? And it seems that that type of player is just something he cannot gel with. Yeah. Which just makes me fear that if he can't gel with that type of player, then he's then he risks being a a, a talent, a significant talent, I should add, that could never really compete legitimately for a championship ring because he won't really allow certain people next to him i understand that jimmy was jimmy (laughs) with all that entails and that jimmy is certainly not an easy persona yeah but jimmy's not the only type of player in the nba who's like that there are a lot of guys out there who are trying to push buttons to make the you know your teammates better and who are a downright necessity especially in playoff settings yeah and you just have to wonder you know how does towns bridge that with people who have strong personalities. Because if he crumples entirely because he has strong personalities on his roster, mm-hmm. then what? Yeah. That's so fair. for me, it's like in the mental thing. I hope for his sake that this Jimmy Butler situation was a learning experience. And he and from henceforth, he will think, you know what? I, I need to toughen myself when I have these guys around. I mm-hmm. need to be able to stand my own ground. Yeah. I hope that's the case. But I mean, we saw with Jimmy initially in the early part of the season that he had this effect on Towns that he was just checked out. Right, yeah, for We're sure. With Jimmy, and suddenly it's like, oh, now I like playing again. Well, that's, that's not how it works.
2: Yeah, and, and gear up for a third-team all-NBA center debate probably next episode, I guess, because oh, yeah. I think that the decision between him and Gobert in particular, not, I mean, it could be very costly for the Timberwolves, but I, I think it's, it's pretty fascinating because you could make a pretty solid case for either one of those guys. Um, two other Timberwolves thing I want to hit on one yeah. point guard Jeff Teague has a 19 million dollar player option Derek Rose mm-hmm. is a free agent um, and Tyus Jones is a restricted free agent let's right. assume Teague opts out because even I mean I think he could get more than or he could get at least 19 million on the open market anyway but he'll presumably want a long term deal and he can you know he can probably see all the teams in cap space this summer realize like players of his caliber are most likely the ones to get overpaid. So let's assume he opts out. What do you do at point if you're the Timberwolves next year? Do you try to bring Teague, Rose, Jones back, or do you look somewhere else?
3: I bring Jones back, and I let Derek Derek Rose walk, Mm -hmm. and I let Jeff Teague walk if he opts out. Yeah. And then I I live with it if Jeff Teague opts in, and then I just give all the backup minutes to Taj. No, you know what? Screw it. I start Tyus Jones, and then hey, I take Jeff off the bench as a combo guard. <laughs> I like
2: it. It'd be funny if they bring back Ricky Rubio.
3: Oh, <laughs> I don't. Can can that team afford another non-shooter?
2: No, no, God, no. But I mean, that was the whole reason they got rid of him in the first place. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I do hope whatever happens, Tyus Jones gets more minutes. It's long overdue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. The other question Dario Saric has not been as impactful as the Timberwolves would have hoped I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. He, his, his you know his efficiency is okay. He's 50 or 45.4% from the field, 38.9 from 3. Like on a per 36 basis, he's done well, but he just it hasn't quite clicked for him the way you would have expected it to. I mean, right. I, I think it's fair to say they probably you know, thought he would have supplanted Taj Gibson in the starting lineup pretty soon thereafter arriving in Minnesota, but it took until February for that to happen. He's eligible for an extension this summer. I think most likely he will not be getting one. But how confident are you in Sarich being the answer at the four next to Towns
3: long term? I like it. I I just think they're using him entirely wrong because when you look at the amount of touches that he gets as a playmaker compared to the amount of shots he's taking, yeah. That's just off. He yeah. Dario is a type of guy who can actually be a playmaker at the 3 and 4. Like he's primarily a 4 in my opinion, but can not slide mm-hmm. down to the 3. So he's just like he's just a forward, you know? And he handles the ball a lot or should be handling the ball a lot because he can pass, he can initiate the offense. He you know, he's great at cutting after, you know, making a pass, just reading the floor. And it seems like, at least to me, that Minnesota is just using him primarily as a scorer. Like, he's yeah. the he's the end target for passes. He's not the one who initiates the passes, initiates the plays. Mm-hmm. And I just think they're missing out on so much goodness. Like, it, Dario Saric, when he's such a weird player, but he's weird in a... In the best way. I mean, I mean that in the best way because yeah. he just he offers so many tricky things, and you just have to realize what he can do. And if you pigeonhole him, you're not going to get nearly as much out of him as you may want. You need to yeah. give him some type of freedom. I'm not saying he's Draymond uh, Green necessarily, but he's Draymond Ask in some regards. Like he's a good rebounder, and as soon as he you know grabs a board, he will just take it off the backboard, run down the floor, and initiate the offense. Here, it's like. Oh okay, I'll hand it off to the point guard or run into the corner or like circle the three point line looking for shots. Like, no, that's that's not his game. That's yeah. never been his game.
2: Yeah, I, I do hope they can figure out a more consistent role for him next year because I'm still high on the guy. I really yeah. I mean, he's a good player and he proved last year he could contribute to a winning team. It's I I'm with you. They just aren't using him correctly. So I hope I hope he gets some confidence. You know, I, I hope he's gotten some confidence over the last month or so. And, you know, he has started to find his groove a little bit since moving into the starting lineup. But, yeah, I mean, I, I hope they give him a fair shake even if they don't. I, I don't think they're going to assign a new extension this summer. I think they'll need nope. to see more out of him. But I, I hope to see. I hope they do get to see more out of him next year.
1: CLEARANCE. Clearance.
2: let's move now let's finish off with the sacramento kings one of the yep. best surprises in the nba this season i mean i i looked into this the last time they were relevant in february and march i think it was like 2007 like george bush was still <laughs> the president
3: <laughs> yeah Well, that's that's almost depressing
2: yeah yeah it was 2007 2008 was the last time they had 38 wins like they I mean wow. they've just been terrible for a decade plus now so, and yeah. you know they're so long. They're probably going to finish below 500, but I don't think anyone could call this season anything but a success for Sacramento. Like
3: oh for sure. I mean for sure.
2: They they with Buddy Buddy and De'Aaron Fox. That backcourt it looked like they have building blocks now. It's like it's the first time, with Cousins, they always had, like, it was him and what else? But now they have Buddy Heal, De'Aaron Fox, they have Marvin Bagley, Harry Giles. Like, you can see the foundation of a good team forming here.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I have nothing to add. I entirely agree. <laughs> <laughs> you just stated the obvious here. Yeah. I mean, look, and, and they just fit so well together, especially Fox and Heel. Yeah. Because... You know, Fox is a natural playmaker, but he's not the type of guy who will turn down shots either. Like, if he has a drive, he'll take it. I think he's one of those point guards who just understands the balance between being aggressive and being a playmaking initiator. Yeah. So, and having that with a guy who moves a lot off the ball and is a three point threat constantly, that's just a really good marriage, at least offensively. Yeah. And I think Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's come off the bench for. You know the vast majority of the season mm-hmm. has just provided such a spark. personally, I think you know he should be the guy they start to the three full time. I think he's earned it. Mm-hmm. and I think they would get more out of him as a full-time starter. But having said that, what he's giving them off the bench as a floor stretcher and as a secondary playmaker has been wonderful. I, mm-hmm. I, I really think he's one of the most underrated talents in the league. And then of course, Marvin Bagley, we've you know, we've praised Marvin Bagley. Several times this season. I mean he's just such an energy player and and an energy player with skill. Significant skill, a tremendous level of talent, and he's found a way to convert all that energy into statistical production, which I just my hat is off to that.
2: Yeah. I mean I, I think it's a testament not only to the players, but also to Dave Yeager. Yeah. Because he really fit his system to match his personnel. Like he didn't go into this year saying, you know, this is my system, regardless of who we have. And we're going to play this way. Like he saw, all right, we have a high energy, bouncy young guy in Marvin Bagley. We have De'Aaron Fox, possibly the fastest guy in the league. Last year, they were dead last in pace. Dead last. This year, they're third. Like they're just Mm -hmm. running teams up and down the floor the whole night. And it, you know, it's, could that style work in a seven-game series? Would that make them a favorite against anyone in the playoffs right now? I don't know. Probably not this year. But, like, in the regular season, when you're coming off a of back-to-back, the last thing you want to do is have this, like, a bunch of young, annoying guys who are better than you think they are just yeah. running you up and down the floor for 48 minutes. It's a great strategy for an upstart team. And, I mean, like, the you know, the Warriors... I think they beat them all four times, but all four games are close. And after every game, you can find quotes from them. They're like, yo, these kids are good. Like it's not yeah. it's they're not far removed from being a legitimately good team. Like they, they got respect from Durant and Draymond Green in particular. So like they're who building something. Not,
3: here. Who are both not inclined to <laughs> right. hang
2: out praise that. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like maybe they realize by the time they're like, that by the time the Kings totally rise up, the Warriors will be on the way down, so they don't see them as, like, a threat right now, so whatever. But, yeah, I mean, they, they got respect for those guys, and they, you know, if, if a team that has won three of the past four championships and appears to be on its way to win its fourth in the past five years, if they are dapping you up like that, that means something. So, I think it's mm-hmm. really, it's a testament to what they've built. It took... Lord knows it took long enough to get there, but
3: this is the most (laughs) promise
2: they've had in literally more than a decade. So I think the big question for them, one, this summer, is Willie Cauley-Stein is a free agent, a restricted free Mm -hmm. agent. How much are you willing to pay him
3: to keep him in Sacramento? It's a good question because, you know, we've talked about Willie before. You know, he came into the league as sort of a defensive-oriented player. That was at least... The idea behind him and he kind of flipped the script and became more of an offensive minded player and not as much of a defensive presence, which is kind of weird. So I wonder what their I I wonder what their top tier potential is with him in the group, because I do feel feel they need more defense in that in that group. There is there isn't enough like Marvin Backley, primarily offensive player. Buddy heal primarily offensive. Jaren Fox is a great defender, but he also needs to shoulder the burden of being like the primary ball handler and the secondary shot creator. Yeah, uh, for, for secondary shot creator for himself. But and so that's like like that's a lot of possessions that you require from Jaren Fox for himself. Bogdan yeah. Bogdanovic also a primarily a, a, a score first player. You know you don't really have all those defensive minded guys there, and. I would love to see them upgrade the center position with a a strong defender, whoever that might be. The question is, is that guy available this year? Right. If not, I would probably try to re-sign Willie to, I guess, a reasonable contract with the mindset of Blake Griffining him. Mm.
2: I mean, he strikes me as one of those guys that, like, restricted free agents in general tend to get screwed over just because mm-hmm. teams don't want to... Or they at least get passed over in the first couple waves of free agency because teams don't want to cu- tie up their salary cap space in an offer sheet and have it get signed and then you know, tied up for 48 hours and then matched and then they miss their window on someone else. So I think he's going to miss that first wave for sure. Um, he's not a guy... I, I think you're right. Like I wouldn't go out of my way to re-sign him. Like, I wouldn't go above... Probably, I mean, fifteen million a year. Absolutely not. Yeah, no. Yeah, even there, I start to get nervous. Like, if Yusuf Nurkic got four years, forty-two last year, is that right? <clears throat> like, I, I wouldn't um, go above what. Yeah, something. And like Clint Capella got five ninety, but I, I mean, at least you can understand from that perspective what you know. They weren't going to have cap base to re- replace him if he left. So I, I understand it. I mean. The problem for them is there aren't really, depending, there are a lot of guys with player options that can juice up the market a little bit, but there aren't all that many intriguing options otherwise. Like Al Horford, if he opts out, could be, but you would have to pay him so much that I don't think it makes sense. Same with Hassan Whiteside. DeAndre Jordan, nah. I mean, he just doesn't yeah. fit the age <laughs> of your group no, that well. Um, i said with...
3: defensive incline brian
2: i know so like dwayne deadman's an interesting guy who i think yeah could potentially be somewhat on the cheap and he can shoot yeah like that's probably a guy who i'd go after I noel would also be interesting just because he would fit with that like run up the floor be defensive minded like be springy
3: yeah
2: he can't like shoot that. with a lick he... but
3: no he... but isn't didn't he sign for two
2: years he has a player option for $1.9 million, which I would assume... Oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he's... Yeah, I'm assuming yeah. he declines that just because, you know, he's played well enough that I think he'll merit some interest on the free agent market.
3: I actually like that. Maybe, maybe they're planning to use Harry Giles full-time as a center, maybe?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's possible, too. It sounds like they are really high on the Bagley-Giles front court combination, which makes sense, Um but I think you'd, you'd ideally want to get some reinforcements in there, whether it's a veteran oh, or just definite, another,
3: as you mentioned.
2: Yeah, right. So that yeah, that that might be the
3: play, or just bring back Boogie. <laughs> 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 oh, that it, Look, if Voach drops that bomb, oh, That'd be so that's awesome!
2: Great. It it would just be like that. That would truly be light years ahead. If you're like, all right, Boogie, we're yeah. gonna trade you. It's gonna look acrimonious, but we're gonna get Buddy healed. We're gonna get some picks. We, you know, it's it's gonna give us the supporting cast we needed for you this whole time, and then you're gonna come back in two years. Yeah. <laughs> Light years ahead the Sacramento Kings story.
3: Oh man, and we couldn't have done it unless the Bulls matched Levine. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
2: The other, the yeah. only other thing for the Kings, I just need to beg them to stop flirting with the idea of Marvin Bagley at the three. It came up in Zach Lowe's piece the other day, Vlade Divac is still like insistent that Marvin Bagley could play the three, uh, four, or the five. Just stop it. He's
3: a front court player. Just no. Agreed. Agreed. Like primarily at least in a couple of years, I think you know, the just being a rim rolling center who can hit like the occasional three. That that might be the best bet for him.
2: Yeah. That's totally fine. He could play the four or the five, I don't care. I, yeah, I, don't right. care, I don't care where you shuffle him. Just don't make him guard like Kevin Durant on the perimeter. He's going to get roasted. Don't make him guard Jimmy Butler.
3: Like, what are you doing? Well, you have to remember, Lottie played in a league where Kevin Garnett was playing the small forward.
2: I know. I know. That's not ideal. No. Uh, it's not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind, I didn't say it was ideal. I'm just right. saying that's right. that's that's his, his, his range of reference, right? Yes, yes. Uh, any other thoughts on the Kings before we wrap up? Well, not really. Yeah, well, I, I guess we can talk a little bit about Harrison Barnes because yeah. you know, he's got a $25 million player option. Yep. Uh, I, I think he'll pick it up. Mm. But assuming he doesn't, that would suddenly free up a lot of money. Yeah. And if you like, – like you said, if you play the long game with Willie Cauley-Stein and maybe you get him for cheap and restricted free agency – And with all the hype, I don't know. Maybe they should do the same as Atlanta and just try to secure themselves, like, meetings with high-caliber players just to show the world, hey, we're ready. Like, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. And to
2: show players that, like, we've finally – we're not a long-running joke anymore. Like, because the players – frankly, just to show agents. Like, even if they don't get that player – that player's agent will, in theory, represent other players, will spread word around the league that, like, hey, the Sacramento Kings have, like, professionalized their organization. They know what they're doing now. They're not, you know, flying by their seat of their pants. Right. Yeah. Like, they they have... I mean, if Barnes opts out, they could have close to $60 million in cap space. That's not a factor. I mean, they, you know, they not factoring in Collie Stein's cap hold or anything like that, but... Right. Like they they could be a sneaky gigantic player on the free agent market. Even with all of their salaries included for next year, they're only at 78 million. So they still have about what is that 31 or so to play with. So like they're not again, they're not going to get a max player. They're not going to get Kevin Durant, but like even if you can get yeah, I I agree with you. If you can get that meeting and show Kevin Durant's agent that yeah, we're we are a team to be reckoned with. We're not a joke. We're not the New York Knicks, even though Kevin Durant's gonna go there. I think it'd be can immensely I, valuable.
3: Can I throw a fun name your way? Yeah, please do. Kawhi Leonard. Ooh, Ooh. Because like, like, like I said, I still, I mean, Bogdan Bogdanovich, in my opinion, you know, is worthy of being a small, starting small forward, like full time. Yeah, but. He's still one of the weaker links on the roster, I'll fully acknowledge that. For so sure. if you have you know, just move him to the bench and you put Kawhi in as the full time starter there. Kawhi is also a multi positional player. So you and and you know, the team that he'll have around him is filled with players that can thrive off of his presence. Mm-hmm. So you'll have De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Healed, Kawhi Leonard, Marvin Backley, and then you know, Harry Giles or Dwayne Dedmond or whatever. You figure out et yeah. center.
2: Yeah, yeah. The problem for the Kings is that aside from like the top top tier guys, the f- small forward market thins out pretty quickly. It's like Kawhi, Jimmy, Tobias, KD, and then it's like a Chris Middleton. Uh, then it's like Trevor Ariza and Wilson Chandler. Th- that's still a lot of players, there. though.
3: Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, oh, you, can, you you want the Bogdanovich, uh, the oh. bogey, bogey bogey duo? Yeah. Oh, oh, my yeah. God. Could you could you imagine some of the worst, you know, announcers in the league? <laughs> you know, TV announcers <laughs> just getting so confused. Oh, man. If Bogdan Bogdanovich and Bojan Bogdanovich, and people would just go nuts. They would yeah. – yeah. oh, it would be hell.
2: I, their yeah. other option could be just to screw around in restricted free agency and drive up price on some guys. Like Kelly Oubre Jr. would be an interesting guy to just
3: <laughs> – Oh, like the, wet, the Western Conference version of Sean Marks. Yeah, exactly. Just I do, like it. Just take some twos over. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. That would be fun. But yeah. no, I mean, I was just thinking about Kawhi because, like, he's a California kid.
2: Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And I mean, he was
3: talking about going to L.A., but, like, you know, if you can't go to L.A., Sacramento, I mean... Yeah, it's not all that far away, right? Uh, I mean, it's not bad. Like, yeah. Uh, I, th- I could definitely see an argument be made. For sure.
2: Yeah, I mean... The moral of the story for all four of these teams is that they're going to be some of the biggest players this summer, especially the Pelicans and the Lakers. But, like, Minnesota and Sacramento have some low-key, really interesting decisions to make, too. So, I know we won't talk about them very much until the draft lottery or until the Lakers do fire Luke Walton, but there's a lot a lot of drama brewing in this department over the next couple months. So, stay tuned for that. In the meantime, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker. So check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Mort, get ready. Awards debate coming. Yay? <laughs> prepare your best defensive player of the year argument oh it's rudy i don't i don't need an argument i i will not comment until the next episode so (laughs) stay tuned listeners
3: to to my very very enthusiastic self for next episode with awards which i love and you are totally not forcing me to do and i'm blinking guys i'm blinking (laughs) take care man you too
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.
2: The Starlight Lounge presents
1: An Evening with the Progressive Box. Old moon, yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's...